You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. This show is for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media at bgtfshow. Hello and welcome to this episode of the British GT Fan Show, fuelled by TCF Sports Cars. Join us for all the latest in the 2020 Intelligent Money British GT Championship and more. Coming up, we've got part one of our review of the latest action at Donington Park. We also discuss the news and look ahead to the upcoming outing to Snetterton. The British GT Fan Show is hosted by Sarah Smith alongside resident British GT expert Nicholas Smith and Andrew Brightman and Gaz Jacobs of the British GT fans. First up in the episode today, uh, we've got a section that's been a bit absent of late, but there is actually news to talk about. Uh, so first up, Intelligent Money have doubled their commitment to the British GT Championship and they've extended their title sponsorship deal to 2025. The extension includes a commitment to free live streaming coverage of all British GT races until the end of the sponsorship deal. And the investment company have also extended their limited time offer for reduced fees and waived minimum investments, which was announced at the start of the season, which we did cover. Uh, But that's now going to run the full length of the current deal. As we said previously, for full details of that offer, you can go to the BritishGT.com website um, and also see that at Intelligent Money. Obviously, we can't make any recommendations, but go have a look and check it out. And it's a great thing for them to be offering, basically. Any thoughts on this one, guys? As we said last time we discussed this, it's good to see Intelligent Money. They're obviously seeing a a value in, in being involved in the championship. It's not many sponsors that do a three-year deal and then six months into that three-year deal, double down. Um, so they're obviously seeing value. They're, they're, they're getting what they need from the championship and it gives the championship more stability and security going forward and any help they can give fans of the championship in these difficult times uh, obviously will be welcomed. But as we said, no recommendations being given here. Always great to have a long-term sponsor, in my opinion. So, you know, a nice little bit of stability in the championship can can never be uh, can never be a bad thing. Yeah, it's nice to see them. Nice to see them. Um, you know, double down on their on their on their um, contribution. Next up on the list of things we have to talk about in our new segment is United Autosport are returning to GT racing, and Nick's got a bit more on this for us. Yeah, former British G Championship runners United Autosports have returned to the world of GT racing uh, after buying Northamptonshire-based Stracker Racing for an undisclosed sum. The Yorkshire-based team previously contested the championship with a pair of McLaren MP4 12C GT3 cars and a single first-generation Audi R8 LMS Ultra GT3. The team's co-owned by Richard Dean and McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown. And obviously buying a top class Mercedes AMG customer racing team who have campaigned up to three Mercedes AMG GT3 cars in Blancpain 
might seem like a bit of a strange call, especially as uh, since the team left the the British GT Championship at the end of the 2013 season, they've mainly won running uh, LMP2. All three of the Mercedes AMG cars that Stracker owned are now up for sale, and we assume, although neither Zach nor Richard has confirmed yet, that there's an order already in for a few McLarens to replace them. It's not sort of guaranteed, though, because United have shown their pragmatism on more than one occasion. Obviously, most recently when they sold their Ligier JSP217s and replaced them with Oracle Row 7 uh, LMP2 cars for their World Endurance and European Le Mans campaigns. Um, did that while they were actually Ligier's agent in the UK. So they, they, they are capable of making a decision which is not the expected one. We hope to see them returning to British GT Championship, but of course there are now a much greater range of options for a GT3 car. Uh, they can do, obviously, what is now GT World Challenge. Uh, they are part American as a team, so they can go across to the States and race near the SRO or IMSA competition over there. There's there's a wealth of options for them. But we would absolutely love to see United Autosports back in British GT, wouldn't we? So, um, have a team of this caliber um come back to the championship would be uh would be great honestly it really would i think um you know they've they've in both lmp2 and lmp3 they've they've shown they've got um race winning uh, capabilities and um you know at, you know just this past weekend at le mans you know they uh, they delivered the goods as well again so you know be, honestly, it'd be great to see them back. Um, you know, and hope, you know, never, you never know. It could be with a couple of McLarens. Could be even be with uh, a customer's car. You know, who were they contracted to run it for them? Personally, I mean, I know Zach is CEO of McLaren Racing. Obviously, the GT3 product is McLaren Automotive. It's a separate company in the same group, so he may not actually be obliged to run. McLarens. United Autosport is a separate business. Um, so obviously he and Richard Dean can make their own decisions. I'd like to see them run something a bit different, something we don't see uh, in Europe very often. Maybe a, a Callaway Corvette, uh, the Lexus, or, or the Honda NSX would be... I think a team like United could do very good things with a car that nobody else is looking at. Don't I can I can I can I can see if if they if they want to be a true GT team they would run whatever they whatever customer wanted to do. But with 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 such close links to McLaren, I can see maybe at least one GT three, one GT four, you know, and being being brought in from McLaren and being offered as with, with yeah as a as an option from that team. Um. You know why wouldn't you use your your links with uh, with with a with a with a company that your CEO is also the CEO of, if you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice to see you know something else that you know that isn't regularly seen over here, like the Callaway and stuff like that. I think it's unlikely that you'll see a Callaway, um, but maybe the Lexus, maybe maybe something else. You know, like a Hunt, like um, an NSX or something like that. That would, that would be nice. Just uh, 
Don't get carried away and order any of them new BMWs, please, Zach and Richard. They're awful. <laughs> I think they're a couple of years off as well, aren't they? Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> so this week's seen a lot of rumours about uh, this season's finale of the 2020 Intelligent Money British GT Championship being run behind closed doors and without fans in November at Silverstone. Um, now, of course, the race was shifted to the end of the season in response to the COVID-19 crisis. So far, we've not had an event run in 2020 without fans being present, but all the rounds so far have been held at MSV venues. Silverstone, of course, is not one of Jonathan Palmer's group of circuits, so has different rules. Now, we know that other series is like the 2020 Quick Fit British Touring Car Championship has been stuck running without fans as that's classed by the government as an elite sport. So fans are not permitted at the events currently. At the time of recording, tickets are not available for the Silverstone round at the moment as everyone's waiting for clarity on what's happening. And of course, the additional lockdown measures that we're anticipating over the next month could also be affecting people's ability to attend any motor racing. The official current position is that no decision has yet been made on fan attendance, but all parties are doing their best to ensure that fans will be allowed at the final round. I know this kicked off a little bit in the British GT fans group on Facebook this week, uh, where there was announcements and retractions and questions. So what are our thoughts on this and what do we think may or may not happen? I don't think it's surprising that they were not going to get any fans in. Um, what with the the new restrictions coming in, um, it would have been nice to see, you know, from some fans at Silverstone when we when we when we go there. But you know, if 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 we're going to head if we're if we're heading into tight restrictions, then you know, if, if Silverstone haven't been getting crowds in all year, then why why are we going to start again when uh, a second spike uh, in in the pandemic is uh, is coming along? Um, it's a shame. I will say that it's a shame. Um, you know, there there is plenty of space around that track. You know, it's a it's a four mile long track whereby you can quite ad- adequately socially distance. You can't get into the paddock. You haven't been out to all all year. You know why why should it, why should it be any different this uh, Silverstone? But you know, different rules, different place, different rules, and with the second spike coming along, I just can't see it happening. I can't see them putting these tickets on sale at all. You've just made a point about not being able to get into the paddock, and that could be a deciding factor here, because whilst the the paddock behind the national pits, where the British GT field set up, is fenced off and can be secured, and the paddock at the back of the wing, where... Formula One and World Endurance set up is fenced off and can be secured. The outer paddock where all the support teams set up can't be, it's going to be a nightmare to keep fans out of that area. So the decision may actually need to be taken because they can't police no fans in the paddock, that there's no fans at the circuit to protect the people that are working in the outer paddock. I would say it'd be fairly easy. Just don't allow the fans into the inner, inner part of the circuit. Just don't allow them across that bridge. Yeah, don't. I'm literally, literally about to say that. <laughs> shut, the, <laughs> shut the bridges off. Yeah, don't allow them in. Don't allow them in in behind the loop or anything like that. Just keep them to the outer part of the circuit. 
you can park cars all around that circuit and it'd be perfect. You'd, again, you'd, just, you'd have plenty of room, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, just don't you don't go over the bridge and don't go under the tunnel at cops, and then that yeah. way the paddock is secure from everybody. Absolutely, there's 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 no with no danger of of public getting in there if they shut the bridges off and shut the. A fair point. I mean, I've spent a bit of time on Silverstone's website to, today, taking a look at what is and isn't available. And at the moment, you can buy tickets for three events. One is a marathon, and the other two are in 2021. Um, now, the way Silverstone work, they're not as reliant on ticket sales as other venues are. So I think I, I've, I've got a feeling that it's going to come down that, that fans aren't allowed. But until the decision's made, it's, it's just speculation. And as well, I mean, as for the standings in the uh, fantasy in the fantasy league show, I'm getting better at speculation now than I was at the start of the year. <laughs> Those two positions you gained, you're celebrating that, are you? Yeah, I mean, next stop is top of the table, really, isn't it? No, not for you. I'm just not last anymore. So <laughs> it'll be a real big shame if the fans can't attend Silverstone because obviously, anything like the last couple of years has always been the championship decider. Um, obviously, if they don't, if they get don't get to see that. It'd be very bad for them. It'd be nice to have a crowd there to see another three-hour race. And anything like the last race we've just seen at Donington, three-hour race, there's a lot goes on. It'd be, it's just it'd be a big shame. But like I say, we'll wait till this big decision is made and then we can go from there. Moving on then to some, some better news. Uh, there were There was two races that happened last weekend and we can discuss the more important one in, in detail in a, in a little while. But there were a few cars that turned up at some town in France for, for a bit of a shindig at the weekend. Um, so what we're talking about here, of course, is the 88th running of the Grand Prix d'Endurance, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which was delayed from June and ran last weekend. Now, obviously, the British GT fans show, you, you might wonder why we're talking about this, but there was actually quite a good... British GT presence in the paddock, as there is at almost any World Endurance Championship or European Le Mans Series round. And a significant number of the trophies that were handed out at the end of the 24 hours will be going into trophy cabinets next to trophies from British GT Championship races. United Autosports, who we've previously discussed, obviously former championship protagonists, running in LMP2, uh, they had two... Orica 07 chassis in the in the LMP2 class. And one of them took the win in class. It was a number 22 entry. Uh, Felipe Albuquerque, Phil Hansen and Paul DeResta. None of those drivers, I'm afraid, with British GT pedigree. Um, but the team obviously have. Uh, whilst Alex Brundle, Will Owen and Jot van Oetert in the other car finished 13 after an oil pipe failed during the night. The other LMP2 car that had some British GT interest was the number 33, the high-class racing Orica, had Mark Patterson, who, in yet another link, used to race for United Autosports in the British GT Championship. Didn't have the best of races. He was sharing with Andreas Fjordback and Kento Yamashita, but had a gearbox failure overnight, and the team were forced to retire the car. 
there wasn't any British GT representation in the top class in LMP1, but it was seeded throughout the, the GT classes, mainly in, in Aston Martin machinery. LMGTE Pro, the top class of GT racing, was a 1-3 finish for Aston Martin racing. Uh, so Maxime Martin took the victory with Alex Lynn and Harry Tinknell. Of course, Maxime raced in the Jetstream Aston Martin a couple of years ago when we had Aston Martin factory drivers across the, the entire field. Alex and Harry haven't raced in British GT, but of course Maxime has so big trophy going next to big British GT trophy there. And the number 95 machine, known affectionately as a Dane train, had Nicky Team, Marco Sorensen, and the honorary Dane for the weekend was Richard Westbrook, who's raced pretty much everything but has also raced in the British GT Championship. So that's three drivers there that have experience of our paddock taking home third-place trophies from the 24 hours. In GTE AM, it was a proper British GT celebration um, because the the winning team, TF Sport, are reigning British GT, British GT champions. Uh, driving the car was Johnny Adam, again, reigning British GT champion. And he was sharing with Charlie Eastwood, who has not raced in the championship, and Sally Yuluk, who raced back in 2015 in the Von Ryan McLaren with Ewan Hankin. Now, Sally's experience in the championship, not exactly covered in glory. But over the past five years, he's turned into a proper GT racer. And the result at Le Mans was well-deserved. The other car in the class was uh, Paul Dallalana, Augusto Farfus, and former British GT4 champion Ross Gunn. They had uh, they had trouble overnight. Uh, overnight had a six six lap stop in the pits, which dropped them down to 13th in class. But they were battling with TF Sport for the first 16 hours, and they were trading places. It was a, it was a very very good race. The number 55 car is Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin, and the third driver for Le Mans was Aaron Scott. Uh, they were racing the, the Ferrari 488 GTE uh, in the same livery that they run in British GT as the number 51 car. Now, uh, Duncan had a, an issue at the Dunlop chicane, resulted in a blowout at the rear of the car. Did significant damage, but the team, uh, obviously AF Corsa, um, Spirit of Race, did some significant repair work on the car, and it came out looking a bit like the old Polo Harlequin with a red door and a black uh, rear quarter, etc., etc. Uh, Matt Griffin, or Matteo Griffoni, as he's fondly known, took the car out but only did one lap, brought it back, and basically said, no, chaps, this is toast. Uh, so they were forced to retire. There was one other Ferrari with British GT links to it in the field. It was the Bonamy Grimes and Charlie Hollings car, the Red River Sport Ferrari. And I'm desperately searching for the car number. I didn't write it down. The Red River Sport Ferrari number 62, which had Johnny Molam in it. And Johnny's racing the championship before as well. Unfortunately, in the darkness of the night, the car hit the barrier at what's called the Xbox chicane, the first chicane on the Molson Strait. Significant damage to the car, significant damage to the barrier. 
and that car was forced into retirement. But that is a very strong result for, for British GT interest at Le Mans. And I think um, you guys will all join me in congratulating our alumni who have succeeded on the world stage. I think I think it was a great effort from um, everyone uh, involved coming from coming from the British GT Championship and uh, and racing at Le Mans. Uh, the the Aston Martin crews in both GTE uh, Pro and GTE Am. Um, were were brilliant. I mean, they 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 really stuck it to um, the the guys from Ferrari. Um, unfortunately, Porsche were nowhere to be seen in the in the pro battle, which would have made which would have made it extra interesting. But um, the uh, that yeah, that I, I was that was a nice welcome victory for Aston Martin uh, there. And yeah, as as Nick says, uh, to see Sally Yollock going from his pretty much disastrous season in British GT in 2015, which I think ended up ended up with a couple of written off cars at Rockingham, um, to go away and relearn his um his his driving abilities and come back and go in going on to probably one of the biggest stages in the world and to take his class victory. I've got I've got I've got to congrat- congratulate him. Um of course, he had Johnny Johnny Adamin and uh, Charlie Eastwood um, in the car with him as well to help him along. Uh, TS Sport, what I mean, you know, they know they know how to engineer they know how to engineer a car, so um, you can't you couldn't have had a better team behind you. And it's great to see United Sport Sport take that, that top spot. You know, they've been they've been bossing um, LMP2 and LMP3 in the European Le Mans series and in WEC um, for, you know, the past few years now. And I think if I remember rightly off the commentary, it's actually their seventh consecutive LMP2 victory now um, in both WEC and uh, LMS. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. All, all round well done, guys. I was absolutely over the moon for United Autosports. As Gaz said, they've had an amazing run in the championships they're running this year. And I think that the adding Le Mans to that was, I mean, it, it was perfect reward for the effort that they've put in. Same for Aston Martin racing in the pro class. I would have preferred it the other way around. I would have preferred that the 95 with the three British GT drivers had got the better result and that the 97 had perhaps come in second. We don't want any of these pesky Ferraris on the podium, do we? Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm delighted for, for the guys at Banbury and for all the drivers for the results that they, they secured. The one which, I mean, I was absolutely, I was, I was cock a hoop when the number 90 took the victory in 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 the GTE AM class, and and for two reasons. I mean, Paul Dallalana uh, has been trying now for about seven years to win this race, and every time it's going well, it ends up going wrong, um, as was the case this year. Uh, but the TF Sport guys won. They're our boys. They're they're, they're British GT, but that's the way that GTE AM should be run. It's a customer team running a car that Aston Martin have 
they get they can give advice and guidance, but they don't lay hands on the car. Uh, the number 98 is basically a factory-run car, and that, to me, goes against the spirit of Am. But absolutely thrilled for, for Sally and Charlie and for Johnny, just delighted, a second win. I wonder whether he's going to buy another number plate for his car because his car's currently got LM171 on the registration number. So he might have to buy himself another one. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if Johnny's actually going to have the uh, LM21 um, number plate now on his uh, on his advantage. In terms of the Aston yes, Martin crews, I think the I think the only thing that put the Dane train out of contention was the fact that they had to change change the uh, change the brakes on it on it, and whereas the other one went from start to finish on one set of discs and pads. So you know that one technical pit stop, which they didn't have to make, was what gave them the lead. So. You know, if uh, if if the, if, the, if the drivers in that car uh, were, if the drivers in the Dane train were just that little bit less heavy footed on on the on the middle pedal, they they might they might have still been in contention. Either way, I mean, if you took three cars to Le Mans and walked away with two sets of trophies, you'd be a happy man, wouldn't you? More than happy. Now, the last piece of news we've got for you in this segment is literally just a few hours old. Um, and that news is that Balfe Motorsport have announced that they're going to be making a return to the Golf 12 Hours, uh, this time in GT3, as they attended last year in GT4. So heading out there is going to be Sean Balfe and Stuart and Lewis Proctor. What are our thoughts on this? The Golf 12 Hours is an astounding race. I mean, any 12-hour race is a challenge. But 12 hours on, on Yas Marina, it's it's the symbol of motorsport opulence, that circuit. Uh, it's always a, a beautifully presented event. Um, but it's getting more popular. And the team have had success in GT4 in the past. Will they have success in GT3 this time? I think based on what we've seen, they may struggle a little bit, not because anybody's doing anything wrong, but Stuart's very new to the GT3 car. And I think against the competition that he may find in, in Abu Dhabi at the, at the start of next year now, I think that, that there may be, a, that it may be a bit of a mountain for the guys to climb, but I do wish them luck. The, uh, the the Yas Marina circuit is fantastic for those 12 hours underneath the lights. Uh, they'll also be joining the 2Cs McLarens as well, going across. Um, I know one of their cars has got three drivers confirmed with uh, Al Khalifa, Barnico, and um, Martin Codrich from the GT Open uh, Championship. So, you know, we'll, I think I think we'll have to start. Well, I think we'll be commenting on this one in Jan in January. Um, as to how our how our alumni are doing down there as well, it appears to be they'll be using Stewart's car, um, the white one, which we've seen is number thirty six so far this year. Uh, he owns that car, and obviously taking his son and Sean, obviously owns the team. There's obviously a decent peddler, as we know. I think they'll do all right actually over there. And Sean, if you need anybody to make tea or anything like that, I'm available. We are available. Yeah, we, 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 yeah. <laughs> We are, me and Gaz are available to come and sweep the floor, make tea, coffee, whatever. Long as you pay for the tickets. 
Hi, I'm Mia Fluitt. I'm a GT4 driver with Balfe Motorsport and I'm happy to be joining the guys from British GT Fan Show. Please follow them on social media at BGTF Show. So it's time to look um, back at the last race now, which of course was the three-hour endurance race at Donington Park. And as ever, we are going to start with GT4 and we're going to work in reverse order in the team standings. So bottom of the table so far, we've got Speedworks Motorsport currently standing at 76 and a half points on the leaderboard in total. Um, now, they were there at the weekend, of course, with the number 23 Toyota GR Supra GT4, driven by James Kell and Sam Smelt. Uh, they went away with 12 points as a team with their single car at the weekend. Now, they got off to a pretty good start, uh, but let's talk about how this went for them. Unfortunately for them to start with, um, they had an issue in qualifying which put them to the back of GT4 start field. They had a, a brake disc failure. So Sam Smelt couldn't set a time. We saw put them on the back foot throughout the race. Um, so they're obviously just fighting from the back and made their way back up to through the point, uh, through, the, through the other cars. So to get a six in class in GT4, a pretty tight field having 10 cars in it this weekend. It was actually not a bad result for them in the end. Yeah, what we saw of the car, it looked pretty good. Unfortunately, one, because it was a bit down the order, and two, because the GT3 race got very exciting from the first corner and stayed very exciting through to the last corner, um, we didn't actually see a massive amount of them. They they seem to have pace, um, some, pretty, some pretty good pace in places, but like I say, it's a very competitive class. And varying strategies made it difficult for for silver cup pairings to make progress. It was a bit refreshing, actually. I can see why this car's been so good in its first year. Um, from my vantage point at Coppice Corner on the exit of the corner, um, Coppice, as you know, is probably sort of a medium speed corner, chuck it in and floor it to get down the back straight. And I noticed that their car was very very balanced it was it wasn't no oversteer no understeer it was just glided through the corner compared to especially the mclaren 570s the 570s was understeering and a lot of the time that um especially hhc they were running wide on the exit of the corner um so it seemed to have good decent medium speed high speed handling so it's probably why that car's been doing so well on its on its debut year in british gt so next up in the leaderboard, we've got Balfe Motorsport, who took away 15 points this weekend. Now, they're standing at 79 in total, and this weekend was the first weekend that they've had two cars out in the GT4 field. Uh, so we had, of course, the number 21 McLaren 570S GT4 with Mir Fluitt and Ewan Hankey behind the wheel. We also had an appearance from the number 22, also a McLaren 570S. Uh, this being driven by Jan Klingelberg and Warren Hughes. So let's talk about uh, these two cars. The the Mia Fluid Ewan Hankey car did basically what it's been doing all year. It's been fighting at the top of its class, but its class is the lower class in the lower class. So the results, uh, fifth in GT4, 
don't reflect the achievement. And this time they actually had competition. Uh, Jan Klingenberg and, and Warren Hughes in the 22 car. First of all, the car looked great even without any sponsors on it, but then you've never seen Balfe turn out an ugly motor. I didn't really see much of Jan in the car, but obviously he was doing a decent job to keep it within shouting distance. Warren Hughes, I mean, the man is, is he's no spring chicken anymore, but he was quick like a bunny. I was massively impressed with Warren. Um, and it just, it did what it needed to do. And there was, there was a lap between the 22 and the 21 at the end, of, at the end of the race. But for their first time out in the 22, I think it was a good, a good, good result, really. Yeah. The, yeah, I think it was a pretty solid, um, race for both cars. Um, Mia and you and Hanky um didn't put a foot wrong from what I saw. And the and the and the twenty two did what they needed to do and 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 got the race finished. Um of course the twenty two is not eligible for points uh due to it being not being a full season entry. So uh you know me well, me takes full points anyway. Yeah, you me and you and take full points anyway. Yeah, but there's no other points going anywhere else in, in the program standings. Um, yeah, I also believe that Warren Hughes is a returning champion to the British GT Championship, if I remember rightly. 2012 he won it, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. Team WFR in a Genesis G50. Fourth in the standings in GT4 is Century Motorsport, uh, currently on 90 points. Now, they took away six points uh, this last weekend at Donington. Two cars were entered, the number 33 BMW M4 GT4, driven by David Whitmore and Luke Sedzakowski. The other car that was there was the 43, uh, also BMW M4, driven by Ben Hurst and Adam Hatfield. The 43... I believe, well, it ended up in the pits, didn't it? Um, I can't remember which, what the reason was for it going in there, but that obviously took them out of the race. And then, of course, the 33 also also stopped and had to be wheeled into the pits via the rear entrance. Um, probably not the best weekend for Century Motorsport. You know, we know they can turn out a decent car, so let's hope to see them back on uh, top form at uh, Stettison. The 43 went into the pits because it had a brake issue. It did get it back out for later in the race, but it was so far behind, it was not classified as a finish. Uh, it was 49 laps behind the race winner. So, uh, yeah, it's a non-classified finish where the 33 um, got the points for Century this weekend. He, um, I think that, that ran out of fuel by the looks of it because... Um, after he stopped by you, got pushed back in, stopped by you guys, he got pushed back in the pits, had his pit stop, then reappeared. So I think it was just a, a little, small little issue, but they got it fixed up and come back out. Yeah, that does make sense. But of course, they would have lost that lap because they didn't actually complete it, didn't they? So, yeah. Okay, third in the standings, we've got Academy Motorsport currently sitting on 98 and a half points. One car entered, the number 61 Ford Mustang GT4, driven by Matt Cowley and Jordan Albert. 
good race for them. They came away with 27 points this weekend um, and some brilliant moments from them. So let's discuss this. Considering this car won the last race and had a success penalty to finish one second off the race lead, I don't think they could have uh, done much more. Um, it was a brilliant, brilliant drive from both the guys, uh, from Matt and Jordan. Uh, it's just, it was just, it was just, they were nearly there. They were so close to getting the race win again. And uh, they've jumped right back up into the championship race now. And if they just keep going to the going, I think TF Sport are, are in for a little shock now by the looks of it. Yeah. The, the thing with this, the success seconds is victory in a round means that automatically on damage limitation in the second round because it is a massively competitive class. Obviously, it's a balance of performance formula, so in theory, the car should be doing pretty similar lap times. Now, Matt Cowley and, and Jordan Albert drove an absolute blinder um, to overdo, um, overturn that 20-second deficit they had. Um I mean, they're in and out of the pits, obviously, on strategy with the requirement to do the three pit stops, uh, etc. But they were they were right in it at the end, um, and they, they they were pushing the the McLaren that eventually won for for, for the win at the end. Just they, they they ran out of time. Second currently in the GT4 standings is HHC Motorsport um, on 189 points. Now, they fielded the race winner this weekend in their McLaren 570S GT4. Uh, that being, of course, the number 58, which was driven by Patrick Matisson and Jordan Collard. And we also had the 57 of Gus Bowers and Chris Vesmail. A bit of um, a race of split personalities, really. The the 58, the Matheson and Collard car, had a great, great race. Obviously, they, they, they took it through to the victory. The 57 car had a race that was, was beset with track limits. And they, they picked up a couple of penalties for, for exploring too much of the Donington Park real estate. Um, I mean, the other the, the other setback that the 57 faced was an engine failure at the end of qualifying. So the team were working uh, until silly o'clock on Sunday morning. Uh, I think they got about three hours of time away from the racetrack, getting that car prepared for the three for for the three hour race. The 57, as I say, didn't exactly cover itself in glory in terms of its it, it picking up a couple of penalties. Uh and it did finish it finished down between the, the, the pro am and the am uh battles there. The um the the twenty two and the thirty three it, it finished in between those two cars. But the fifty eight, of course, uh went on to take the win. So it's it's job done in that regard. Yeah, after um, a disappointing qualifying for the 57 where, where it blew the engine, um, their race also didn't go very well, picking up a lot of penalties for exploring the track, as uh, as you said there. 
Um, obviously a solid race for the 58. Um, you know, you can't put a foot wrong to 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 uh, to get that first place. Um, they had the challenge late late in the late in the session, but as 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 was as was um, as was alluded to in when we we're talking about academy, you know, just time was on their side and they were able to take the win. It does leave us in a, in a situation here where HHC have to execute at the last three rounds of the championship because, I mean, there's a slim chance that Academy could potentially overhaul TF Sport in terms of points, but it's a very, very slim chance. Sentry, I, th- I think we have to call Sentry out of it now. I mean, there's what? 85 and a half points. So no, even, even, even Academy couldn't, couldn't win the championship now. It's down to a, a, a two team and, and therefore four horse race for the team's championship in, in GT4. So, um, HHC that, that they, they got what they needed to, to keep themselves in the fight. And that leads us nicely onto the top of the table, TF Sport, currently on 200 points. Uh, they took away 40.5 points at the weekend compared with HHC Motorsports, 46.5 points. Of course, fielding two Aston Martin Vantage AMR GT4s, we've got the 95 driven by Conor O'Brien and Patrick Kibble and the 97 of Daniel Vaughan and Jamie Caroline. So let's talk about the race uh, for these guys. I think this was the first time the Aston wasn't the quickest car on the circuit. Um, so we were getting a third and fourth place finish. It did try a tricky um, strategy to the race. If anyone listens to the last show, I got laughed at by saying somebody could stop after five minutes. They stopped after two, with both cars, and obviously went long on their first stop and just trying to spread the race out a bit further and hoping for a, perhaps for a second safety car later on. So third and fourth, good result, keeps them... Obviously, um, as we'll talk about later, they were in the, in the championship race. At least they didn't take each other off this time. You, you just had to go and say that, didn't you? Me? Will I do such a thing? Yes. Yeah, I mean, even during the commentary for the race, they it was mentioned that it looked like the team were trying to keep the drivers apart. And... After Brands Hatch, rumours were that it was a little bit frosty in in the team bus after after the incident, uh, the infamous incident. Let's call it. Um, yeah, I, I I wondered what would happen to them after after that first, during that first safety car period. I, I was I saw the cars coming round and all of a sudden the two Astons had disappeared. Obviously leaping into the pits to you know put their put the second drivers in. Um, much the same as Balf in in, in the um, not, not Balf, sorry, Barwell in the GT3 class. Um, you know, and there, and from there they, you know, obviously they were thinking outside the box and and going for a, going for a strategy that was out of sync with everyone else. Um, decent race, you, you, you know, you can't fault um, a third and a fourth place. Um, when you when you when you've got obviously you've got like success success parties and whatever you to take, so you know um, this is as as Nick as um, 
Nick said, you know, this is a BOP formula, so certain cars are going to come out on top and, um, you know, certain cars we peg back for the next race. So overall, yeah, good race for Now you said, Andrew, that the Aston Martins weren't the quickest on the circuit at the weekend, but of course, Patrick Kibble did get the fastest lap award. Um, quite close to the end of the race, no less. We'll blame it on a lucky toe from a GC3 car. I was going to say an empty fuel tank then, so yeah, that was. Uh... I would have, I would have assumed because I mean it, it was lap ninety nine of one hundred and seven, so I think they would be coming down to the towards the dregs of the, the tank by that point. When was their final pit stop? I wonder how old the tyres were all, as well. So they might have had a decent set of tyres on that car before the end of the race compared to some of them. Just luck of a draw, I suppose. It's um, where the circuit lay um, rubbered in towards the end. Could have been, could have made a difference. You're listening to the British GT Fans Show, fueled by TCF Sportscast. Find the latest news at, at TCF Sportscast. We'll take a look forward now to the next round, which is our first visit to Snetterton this year. Um, so tell me, what can we expect from Snetterton? Who does the circuit? favour in terms of manufacturers if anyone and what are our hopes in terms of who we'd like to see doing well in terms of what the circuit will favour you're looking towards the cars that have got good torque and good power there's a number of big stops at Snetterton there's obviously the Wilson hairpin Agostini is a big stop with a squirt out of it then you've got the run down the Bentley straight and of course the twiddly bit at Murray's before you come back down the centre straight. So you're looking at a car with a nice big engine, bit of torque. So I'm thinking Mercedes and I'm thinking in GT4, probably Ford Mustang would be the ones that have the most advantage. Charles, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even, not even too sure who this, uh, what this, what this track generally favours. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I think you said it earlier. It was a, it was a, it's a Lamborghini track. They've they've bossed that around for the last few years. But GC4, I think it's been quite mixed. If I'm if I'm Riley, but yeah, I'm just looking at last year's race results now. Barwell, Adam Ballon, Phil Keane won race one, and then race two. Oh, this was the weekend they won and managed to win both races. What was it last year? And they had a first, second in the second race. So. It does, and I think it has history of being, as I said earlier in the um, Robinson review, it's, it tends to be a Lamborghini circuit. Um, so I, I was expecting Arwell, WPI, to be up there fighting for the wins, especially the first race, and obviously depending on success penalties for the second, how that much that much that makes a difference to the second race. McLarens will be there, they always are, especially this year with things going on. Is take your pick out of a, I think the first race take your pick out of a Lamborghini and the second race take your pick out of all the rest of them. Yeah. I mean you know, I could always go back on my answer from from, from the last from my last podcast to it with the with the car with the best BOP in the you know, the mo- the most luck. Um but yeah, I certainly you can you, I think you, I think you can probably even count in the 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 Mercs, the, the, the Ram Mercs as well. You know, they've got some they've got you know, four genuinely good drivers in there. You know what I mean? And 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 they're on form moment. I mean, if you think Sam and Patrick are 
they're going to just rest on their laurels um, and, you know, and let, let Donington be their only win. I think you, you'd be sorely mistaken. Um, um, the only thing this, the only thing that's going to be a thing about this race now, this year, is the fact that, you know, we, 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 we haven't been to Snetterton in, in, in October or late September. No, is it coming? It's coming in October, isn't it? Yeah, October, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we haven't been to Stetson in October um, before. Yeah, so you know we could have you know cold, wet weather, and that could you know the the, the rain being the great equaliser could throw up all kinds of results. You know what I mean? You could see you could you could maybe even see the Bentley getting in a win a win again. So this is this is me showing my newbie colours a little bit obviously things generally happen a bit earlier in the year now from my understanding Snetterton is a circuit that is generally kind of towards the middle of the summer so most likely dry a lot of the time although it is British summer so you never can tell I mean first of all Bentley in the wet not known for being particularly good um, but the the, the two guys, Scott and Nick, have performed well at Snetterton in the past. I've done Snetterton in autumn. I did the BRDC British Formula 4 Winter Series. Uh, Christ, 2012, 2013 time. Bring your brolly. You're going to need it. Oh, definitely. I mean, we, when was it? It was 2015 when we had that. Uh, we had the second race red flag, didn't we? Um, when, when, um, off it. Yeah, but they, Be- Beach Dean took the, took the, took the team's title, didn't they? On, on, during that meeting, or at least the GT4 team's title during that meeting. Um, you know, so I mean, I remember that weekend going from blisteringly hot on the Saturday to being just, you know, an absolute deluge of, of rain on the Sunday. Um, but yeah, generally, you know, you 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 you've set for some really fine weather over over in, over at Snetterton, um, but yeah, as I say, when you, you go in there in October in in essentially autumn time now, and you, we could we could we could have a cold wet track. There's been talk of as having an Indian summer, but then again, seeing the weather reports today, where there's been inches of hail, uh, just a little bit north of of Sheffield, uh, so Bradford and kind of towards the north side of Yorkshire. Not quite convinced we're gonna be in the midst of the throes of an Indian summer in two weeks' time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not either, no. Um I'm fully so I'm fully expecting to get colder from from now on. Um mm. and you know we have our standard kind of autumn. Um I think the other thing I would say as well is that given that we've had kind of six different uh races so far and six different winners in gt3 um it really is wide open and we're back to i believe two sprint races yes in the next round so we've just had a couple of endurance races so is that going to play into any particular team's advantage do we think so the problem with the Let's say Sam DeHan and Patrick Ujala have, they got the 22nd success penalty for the first race. So that sort of really, unless we have a weird safety car situation, that's going to rule them out of the challenging for the win for the first one. 
GT4, I think as we all said, it's a case of like whoever turns up and gets the setup right. We obviously expect TF Sport will be up there. Then this could be this could finally be Toyota's time to get um they've been out testing there this week. Along with a few other cars, and this could be their time to finally get up the front and get that race win they've been looking for. I suppose the difference in the formats, the the two one hour races, I mean, first of all does mean as as Andrew's alluded to, that if you have a bad first hour, it doesn't wreck your entire result from the weekend because the second hour scores its own points. Whereas, obviously, at Donington Park, if you screwed up the first hour, you were playing catch-up for the rest of the race. The other thing that's springing to mind here, when we spoke to, to Matt Cowley, he was saying that the Mustang's very, very light on its tyres. It, it has good tyre long, longevity. You're going to lose that advantage in, this, in these two races because we're pit-stopping at the half-hour mark, changing tyres during pit-stops. Then... You, you you don't need to worry as much about tire longevity, so it could come into could come into play for some of the cars that aren't aren't quite as light on their loafers. So we've run through the drivers' standings in both GT4 and GT3 with a, a quick summary. It's very close between the top kind of four places in GT4, with first place of course being equal between both TF Sport cars. Any kind of inklings as to where you think this is likely to go end up, or is it just too close to call at this time? It's too close to call. I think the, I think the GT4 will be going down to Silverstone, last race, possibly last lap, last corner. So it's like Lewis Hamilton back in F1 2008, 2008 when he won the championship. It could be that close with with Academy coming on strong. If I have a decent, if the Speedworks have a decent round, two races of snap. It's going to be so difficult to call GT4. In GT3, again, if we get a repeat race winner for the first time this year, it's, it's, or someone has a very, very, very dodgy bad weekend at snap, we could possibly, could, could, Possibly have the championship decided after the snet race too, if someone goes right, really right for somebody, really wrong for other people. Again, I think we're looking like it's going to go down Silverstone. So, mm. I mean, the biggest the biggest gap between first and fourth is less than or just over. It's twenty one points in GT three, and it's less than ten points in GT four. So. We're not talking a huge amount of things. GT3, I think it's going to be very difficult for kind of anyone that's not in the top four to to kind of get a lot further up short of, you know, something potentially quite catastrophic happening that would knock everyone above out. Um, but this is 2020, so <laughs> I'm not sure I want to rule anything out. Um, hopefully that's not the case. Um, I think for me, GT uh, three wise, it would be nice to see two Cs have a bit of luck for both cars, um, and a good result for both of them. But I, yeah, I wouldn't even want to hazard any sort of of guess at the moment. 
I don't, I backing up Sarah here. I really don't think we're going to see GT three decided much before the last ten seconds of Silverstone, as it stands at the moment, unless uh, Senan Fielding and Richard Williams tub the Audi on the first corner of the first race at Snetterton, they still have a statistical chance of winning the championship. Very slim one, I'll grant you, but a statistical chance of winning the championship. I also know that I've got a bit of a reputation for being down on two Cs. And I'm going to defend myself here because it isn't earned. There's a reason I'm so hard on two Cs. And it's because I know that they could be better than they're doing at the moment. I also want them to do well at Snetterton. I think they could do well at Snetterton because I think their cars have probably spent more time at Snetterton than they have at base since they got them. They've done a lot of testing there. And it's it's got to come together at some point. They've they've had the Donington curse because it's always gone wrong for the wrong from the Donington, but they've had pace elsewhere. And all it takes is a clean run. Or a troubled run for their competitors, and they could do really, really well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit on the fence again for the first race. I'm going to go for WPI, Mike Ligo, and his pro teammate for the the race one win. So I feel like I'm on a roll now. I'm going to go with this. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, mean, I think we could at least see WPI on the podium. I'm going to say, yeah. Um, who else? I like to watch a race and be surprised by the by the results. So I always kind of sit on the fence. I don't like to be having the, you know, wanting something to 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 happen because I because 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 I because that's what I think I think that's what I think will happen. Um, although I will be supporting certain cars out there and, and and stuff like that and to see them on the top step would be really nice. Mm. Um so yeah I, I I think I think you know if we're talking about race wins at at Snetterton, I think it's really close to call in both classes. Um and when we start when we start talking about overall um championship then it is definitely too close to call at the moment. It is gonna go down to Silverstone in my opinion. Um, although we might even, although we might see someone pull out a significant lead after Snetterton. For me, it'd be nice to see the Audi up there. And I think given the last two showings, it's got, it's certainly got the pace to be further up there. So I probably wouldn't rule that out. GT3. I'm going to go Mercedes. And my heart wants to go Team Abba, but I'm going to have to go for Yelma Berman and Ian Loggy. Uh, obviously, Sam Dehan and Patrick Kajala have got success seconds to serve. It is a one-hour race for the first round, which means that they are not going to have a massive amount of time to get over the 20 seconds penalty. But I do think it's a Mercedes circuit, despite the fact Lamborghini have done very, very well there recently. Um, So, yeah, I'm going for the number six Mercedes in GT4. Again, they've got success seconds to serve, but 
they're on a very rich vein of form at the moment. I'm going to go for the number 61, the Mustang. I reckon they've got a chance in one of the two races. And I'm going to say an Aston Martin's going to win one of the races, whichever one the Mustang doesn't. Um, if the Mustang wins the first race, then the the 97 takes the, to correct myself, the 95 takes the, the second. And if the Mustang wins the second race, the 97 takes the first. I think, I think, all the cars could take a win. If you if you if you just had the cars race, racing around, it would be completely up in the air. But yeah, it's, you got the humans behind the wheel. That's the that's the factor which I don't like betting on. <laughs> if you know what I mean, yeah. So you know, um, people make mistakes, and it, we see it all the time. Uh, it, you know, in 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 life and and during the races and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just. Uh, just to, to say, yeah, I think that person will win, and 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 to say and put and to actually put put a definite on it, I, I just can't do that. So also remember, we got an Aston Martin-sized spanner um, this uh, for Snetterton, and and obviously Silverstone, Beach Cena back. So obviously, I think it's was it Hassan Klot is doing this round with um, Andrew Howard. Mm-hmm. So being a Param car, obviously lighter. Andrew did test the car back at media day there, if I remember correctly. So this could be a chance for them to. They've had any time recently because media day we're talking now is six months ago. I know. This is something. Could, I mean, it is they... no, it's a genuine question. I I don't know, but that could factor in if they've not had any chance in the car since then. Could have been there over the last couple of days, couldn't they? Uh, maybe doing some testing, but uh, I think he's on. A, I think he's on a limited. Um, budget at the moment into Mr. Howard, so as limited as he as he can get, I suppose, when running a nice big GT3 car. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, lighter. Mr. Andrew um, knows that track quite quite well, and has and has taken race wins there. So yeah, you know, never know. Could he, he, he could he could upset the whole he could upset the whole stack, and uh, and take some much needed points away from everyone. And of course, the full entry list hasn't been put out yet, so we don't know if there's any other surprises that we can expect at the moment. Um, so I think it's just a case of wait and see what what gets brung. Yeah, JMH with both cars on the G cap back, please. <laughs> Would you be sat on the fence if that was the case then? I, no, I'd still be sat on the fence. <laughs> I don't think either of those two would win. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the first of our double episode review of Donington Park. Part two is also out now and available from your usual podcast provider or from us directly. Just visit podcast.bgtfshow.co.uk Thanks for listening to the British GT Fans Show. Remember, the show's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website, www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media, at BGTFshow.
British GT Fan Show is a Storm Vixen creative and RPS-driven media production. To find out more, visit our website at www.bgtfshow.co.uk.